Welcome to Upper 90, a podcast presented by Sand and Surf Soccer Club. Edwin Hazard beats one, beats two, line drive off the side post. Ooh, Sari Ball. All right, guys, welcome to episode five. That was Lou Bega with Mumbo Number no. Five, and this is Dan McCarthy, your host for the Upper Ninety Podcast. Joined weekly again by Carl Dixon and Sam Fairhurst. How are we doing, gentlemen? <coughs> I'm doing a lot better off that smooth introduction from you. Huh? Not bad, that. That's why I get paid the big bucks, Carl. Yeah, good in the mood. Good, you know, love after it. That song. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this week the topic we're going to go into the day old lecture. Of the pros don't do it or don't do that. So why are you doing it? Something we hear on the sidelines coming from coaches and parents. Uh, it's an old myth in the game of football, soccer. So let's get on with it. Sam, jump on it, my friend. All yours. Uh, yeah, I think we, we hear and see a lot of this on the fields. A um, little bit of a funny one because some people would argue that the kids are doing this because they have the goal to be pro. So, you know, why why should they not? do what the pros do if you will um, <clears throat> we have to remember though there's there's a lot of different types of play that play soccer in this country and in this area there are some kids who do have those aspirations to be pro um, but there's also kids who maybe their aspiration is just to go to college and get a scholarship and get a kind of discounted education if you will there's also kids who would just be happy to get on the high school team and play with their friends and then obviously we have the kids who are happy just playing at club playing locally or playing for fun at AYSO so it all depends on the kids uh, and what the kind of goals and aspirations, the level, if you will. Um, and also something that we mention in probably every other podcast, it, it varies from age as well. Mm. Now, obviously, the older kids, let's say U18, U17s, who are at that age where, you know, potentially they could be offered pro contracts and become a pro, maybe then, yeah, they should be doing things like pros do if they have that aspiration. But when we're talking about kids who are just starting out at six, seven, eight years old, then obviously it's a little bit crazy to expect them to be doing things the same way the pros do them. Do you not think, though, no, like, why not emulate the pros? If they're doing, if they're the best in the world at doing it, why not? Why shouldn't these five, six, seven-year-olds be looking at YouTube and looking on the TV and trying to emulate? Uh, well, the, the pro game, as we've mentioned again in other podcasts, is a lot different to, to the development game, if you will. Mm. Um at the pro level, kids are do, uh, pros are doing everything they can to win the game. Three points are at stake or moving on to the next round of the, the Cup or the Champions League, you know, getting out of the group stage in the World Cup all the way up to the finals where they can lift the trophies. You know, it, it's, it's all about winning. Now, something that has just kind of popped into my head to kind of answer that question is, if we were to get kids to replicate everything that the pros did, what happens when Luis Suarez goes around biting people? I don't want a dad from the other team on my 2010s to come over and say you encouraged your kid to bite my kid now I want to fight you in the car park <laughs> because then I'd have to beat then I'd have to beat him up in front of his kid and I don't want to do that <laughs> parking lot oh parking lot sorry parking lot uh, that's a fair point <laughs> Carl your immediate thoughts on this as we introduce the topic 
it's a I think it's a good topic to talk about uh, I would probably say the biggest issue is probably how many coaches you know are actually pursuing a career coaching seven eight nine ten eleven twelve year olds mm. and how many coaches are doing it to pick up an extra little bit of money while they're pursuing you know wanting to be the next Jose Mourinho or coach the college team and I think that's where a lot of issues lie uh, you know I've heard many a time on the sideline my high, my high school team doesn't do this my college players don't act like this and they're talking to nine year olds <laughs> and I think that's a prime example of is that coach really sitting down understanding the age group he's working with planning sessions and planning goals for the age group he's working with or is he just coaching a group of kids just to, you know, pick up an extra bit of money and he's really not educated in that area? So a lazy comparison, you think? Uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's just interesting. It's a good topic, you know. I'm sure we all walk around tournaments in here. Like, I've heard some coaches even, you know, we talked about a lot of coaches saying we're going to play like Barcelona, you know, when they're coaching uh, the flight to... Uh, whatever club it is. Mm. And then I've heard some coaches say, do you think Messi would do that? And honestly, I think the kid's looking at him not even knowing who Messi is sometimes. Like, you know, mm. and I, obviously that's a big exaggeration, but I, I just think it's it's crazy to be thinking like that and talking to the kids like that. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think that's the issue. How many coaches are actually going into coaching these age groups, understanding those age groups and the development goals? Right. So something I thought that is good uh, for us to talk about, you know, and let people know is in the UK, they actually have now licenses and they have people who earn a living that are professional foundation coaches so those foundation coaches are very the younger age groups so the, these are guys that have also you know ex-pros or whatever but they're now pursuing the education to know exactly how to coach you know whether it's a seven-year-old a ten-year-old and then there's the development phase after that and the pre-academy phase and then the academy phase so I think obviously the our area in this country doesn't really have that yet so I think that's where a lot of coaches frustrations come from and these comments come out I think on, on that note it's probably important that we kind of let our listeners know that like, like what Carl's talking about the reason that they do that back home where they have it's almost like a different coaching method for different age groups is because it's kind of a different game and we keep stressing on this podcast we keep stressing to our our parents and our coaches that at certain ages, the game is different. So the younger ages, it's literally all about development, development, development. Yeah, as we talked about, when we get older, winning becomes a little bit more important. But it's still, and until you're at the, the, the oldest age and the highest level, it's, it's still not the be-all and end-all. And uh, <clears throat> that's obviously why back home, back in the UK, that they're doing this. They're getting specialised coaches for the different phases, like Carl said, the foundation phase different game to the pro the pro game so the game is coached differently things are done differently and I think that's what he's saying that we don't really see that from coaches when you're walking around the tournament or you know 
I've seen it before where I get to a game, I, I coach in the 2010 age group, which is the youngest age group. I look over, I always have a little look over just to see what, what the other coach is doing, what the other team are like. You know, you have a little, little glance, have they got a, a good goalie, are they doing shots on the keeper and all that sort of stuff. And you see coaches, they've got them in two lines and they're doing this warm-up that they would do with the college team for 15, 20 minutes where they don't even touch a ball. <laughs> and then they literally stand them in a line, do a little bit of shooting and you play the game. SAQs. And we're talking, yeah, we're talking, we're talking <laughs> seven and eight-year-old kids right. where you should be using that 15, 20 minutes that's 15, 20 minutes extra they can be touching a ball. Touches, touches, you can treat, you should treat your warm-up really like a, a small training session. And some coaches don't seem to get that because they are the, they see the game on the TV, maybe they've played at a high level and they just take what they've ever been taught and try and put it in there with the with this training sessions. So a question, good point. <clears throat> question for that then. So as a coach, um, we'll go to Carl on this one. How do you handle the situation of where a parent or a coach might have told that young child, you know, go and watch your heroes on the TV? We've said it on the podcast before, go watch your favourites. You know, how would you handle that particular situation if a kid came into you at practice and said, coach, I've been watching Messi or I've been watching Ronaldo and I've been trying to... Edwin Hazard. Edwin has mentioned, (laughs) you know, and trying to emulate what he's doing. But then obviously we're kind of steering away from that in this particular subject right now. How would you handle that particular situation? I think that... Where's the line drawn? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good question, but I think it's two parts, really. Uh, I think what we're talking about is coaches expecting what pros do. Mm. And I think what you're asking me is, if one of our kids come and says, hey, I seen Firmino at the weekend, you know, do this in the box and take a shot, and I've been working on that, then brilliant, Mm. you know? But I wouldn't... As a coach, then turn around and think he's going to do that at the weekend. Expect him to do it every it. time consistently. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's you know I think that's a big problem. We talk about coaches. I think the same runs through parent groups. Parents have watched world, watched the World Cup, watched the Premier League, and you know, you guys know, I received an email this morning, and I think that parent is going to try to break down what their team is not doing right in comparison to what? That's the question. That's always a question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are they not doing right in comparison to? Because what I watched the weekend was I watched a team playing a flight that is up to their level and they did everything that we expect. They played out of the back. They tried passes out of the back, even across the back, which can be risky and you can see goals, but it's making those players in the back better. You know, we've seen players in the middle try to carry the ball and break lines from the attack. And then we've seen attackers dribble and score. And the team won, I think it was 3 or 4 0, right? So what's the feedback on? What, what, what's the problems? What's the issues? Is it because it doesn't look like, you know, yeah. the pro game? Is there, you know, is there these tiny little details that aren't happening? And, and that's the thing, like getting your head around the development curve and the age group and the level. I think it's very important, the level, you know, understanding. And maybe people that listen to this don't know, but out here we have, you know, we have academies, we have ECNLs, we have DPL. And then in our league, we have flight one, two, and three. Mm. In the other league, they have bronze, silver elite, silver, you know, gold and all that. But it's understanding those levels too. You know, there's no way, you know, Let's the 09 
flight three team, am I going to expect that team to be switching the ball, you know, and whipping in balls outside the team for a guy to run on and f- take a first touch finish, right? But it might happen, but I'm not going to overanalyze it because I understand the development curve and the level. And I think that just, again, we talk about where does everyone draw their experiences from? Mm. And then I look at it from the coaching side of what are they really educating themselves in? Are they educating themselves in the 11 v 11 game and how to get better at that as a coach? Well, then if you are, you probably shouldn't be working with the 7 v 70. You know, that's just a fact because your your goals are not the same. Right, so what we're trying to say there, there's no real correlation <laughs> between the coach's expectations and the level of the kids who are I trying to... for parents as well, I think it goes both in, you know. Yeah. Like, I think probably a lot of lectures from parents after games are in relation to what? What are they comparing? What they've seen on the TV yeah. in, in a pro game. Yeah. So, right. you know, are they listening to their coach? You know, it's a big thing we always talk about. Listen to your coach. Listen to what they're saying and their reactions and feed off that. But if someone gets in the car and says, hey, Dan, how did you miss that shot? Was he getting paid 150 grand a week and never misses a shot? Right. Do you know what I mean? So where, where's, the, yeah, where's the expectation drawn from? Right. So, I don't so, know if I answered your question there, but I've went into... <laughs> <laughs> You've gone into a decent six-minute explanation. But yeah, so... From a, co- I think Carl touched a lot on the parent kind of unfair expectations possibly from the parents and knowing that level. Sam, just more over to the coach's side of things. How do you draw that line of what you know what to expect from a certain level? Are there guidelines? Is there a certain line that's drawn? Like for example, you expect a seven-year-old to do a Cruyff turn, you know, and where is the kind of line drawn? Is there a line or, uh, from a coaching perspective? Yeah, I think like, we mention it every week. As you get older and progress through the levels and the phases, different things are expected of you. So when the kids first start out, basically, especially in our club, we try and teach them moves and turns just so they can be comfortable on the ball. They've, they've got a lot of things in the locker, if you will. So when they get in tough situations, they're able to get out of them. That's the hope. And then we talk about just can you dribble a ball? Can you control and pass a ball? Mainly with the inside of your foot. Can you shoot a ball? Mainly with your laces. Um, we don't obviously work on heading a ball because it's not allowed <clears throat> in the younger ages. But all those tiny little basics are when we start out. When we get a little bit older, as we move through, then we're talking... Can we pass a ball with the inside? And can we also hit a longer ball with your laces? Hey, just, just sorry to interrupt you, but just on the heading point, you know, just for people listening, I think you can work on heading. You can work with a sponge ball or a balloon, mm. just for all the parents out there and anybody listening. I think you can do that. Obviously, you know, a lot of coaches don't have 12 sponge balls, you know, but like for people at home, like kids can do that. Get the party like, balloons out. So I, I like. Yeah. I remember when I was little. Like yeah. you know, yeah. they call it juggling out here. We call it keepy uppies or whatever. Yeah. You know, you Southerners called it the uh, but balloons at parties. You know, you used to be keeping that up. Yeah, you yeah. know, and heading it. Yeah, like you you can ball. you can get the right technique. So anyone listening, 
you know, it's just a little... Get down your local 99 cents <coughs> store and get yourself a sponge board. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, but on that, if uh, if anyone fancies uh, investing in one of my business ideas, I've actually got an idea sponge on a, uh, <laughs> a, uh, a headable training ball. <laughs> if anyone wants to give me a load of money that we can patent it, let me know. <laughs> Don't go down the 99 cents store. We're going to sell it for a lot more than that. <laughs> There's no margins in that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, going oh, back, goodness. like as they progress through, we then start asking a little bit more. So when they get a little bit older, can you use your laces to pass the ball over a longer distance? Can you score goals with the inside of your foot, the outside of your foot, as well as your laces? Um, controlling the ball, not just maybe with the inside of the foot, but maybe we're now talking outside of the foot. And we just kind of add little things. Again, when they get a little bit older, can we play um, a ball in the air? With the laces as a pass, can we drive it along the floor? Can we curve it? We're talking, maybe we're controlling it even with the bottom of our foot, or maybe we're going our first touches like a turn that, ch- that changes direction. We kind of just keep adding and building on on the foundation. So starts off really simple. The more complicated things that you see like in the pro game, like you know, chesting the ball from a corner on the edge of the box and volleying it in the top bin, that's something that we're not going to do with the you know the seven and eight year olds. We'd encourage them to go in the in the backyard and maybe try it and have some fun and come to practice early and maybe play with their friends and try it. You know, we used to play heads and volleys. Remember that? Well, like- we 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 went and learned all that sort of stuff, but we wouldn't technically go and put it in our in our sessions because we would be wasting our time a little bit because there's more important things that we should be working on. All right. So just to kind of go back, can I give Dave Kendall a plug? Based on that volley that I just talked about. Yeah, go on then. So I know, I know Dave Kendall listens. Dave Kendall has been a long-time coach of Sand and Surf, often pops in and helps us with different things. I had a conversation with <laughs> Dave and a few of Dave's players about a year and a half ago. It was more of a debate, really, a few parents. Um, as you know, the younger ages, not allowed to head a ball. I think Dave was coaching nine or ten-year-olds at the time. One of the parents said, Dave, why do we keep playing short corners? Basically, Dave was playing short corners because he wanted his team to play quick. He didn't see the point of crossing it in the box when you weren't allowed to head the ball. I would say as a coach, there's a problem. You're not allowed to head the ball. He solved that by playing a short corner, playing quick. Can they catch the team off guard? One of the parents has said, Dave, why are we not crossing it in, chesting it and volleying it? Chest, chest, volley. And and we were were looking at him for him to start laughing. Top well, we were, we were looking around thinking this this parent's waiting for us to dive in here, I'm and no, he was I'm he no was nibble. he was deadly serious, deadly serious. <laughs> you see it all the time, didn't you? Nine year olds chest trapping in the upper I think it's a good point, right? There's a little moment of parents. Where are they drawing? We should be whipping it in the box and scoring that. They're drawing that from. You know, Zlatan did that, or yeah. uh, Wayne Rooney's done Paul, it. Paul Scholes. Paul Scholes. <laughs> yeah, but, like, again, to the level and the quality, you know, and how we play here, it should be mostly short. If you can't play a short and the other team cancel it out, then drive a ball, you know, across the box or whatever it is, you know. And then when the kids get to the point where they can head it, then you can start floating balls in to yeah. certain extents. But again, where are they drawing that from? They're not drawing it from being a person who is goal setting in oh eight age group. They're drawing that from that's what pros do. Yeah. Sunday so night at Stop Hub Centre. The lion. <laughs> I think we can uh, focus on someone else, not Stubhub. What about LAFC, yeah? 
Oh yeah, Diego Rossi. Little little shout out to that man. Eh? <laughs> but so going back to a couple of more questions. Uh, I've got a good ending one, but just before that, aren't we encouraging these kids to reach the highest level of the game? I know, Sam, you mentioned it earlier. Some kids only want to play clubs. Some kids only want to play high school. But as coaches, isn't it our job and our responsibility to, in a healthy way, push these kids to go as high as they can? And if they see these things from other kids on their team or other on the TV, whatever it is, shouldn't they have the the audacity and the opportunity to try these things and shouldn't we be encouraging to push them to the higher level and doing these skills and moves that they see is effectively pushing them because they're doing it on the TV right so what are your thoughts kind of on that yeah I mean that's obviously our job to get the best out of them to, to push them to be the best he can be again we've mentioned it on previous podcasts though you can only push a player as far as really they want to go Yeah. and if we start pushing too much as a coach we become that parent who wants this goal or has this goal for the kid to be a pro but the kid doesn't have the same goal the kid's heart's not in it and at the end of the day if the kid's heart's not in it like we've mentioned that they're never going to get to where that parent expects them to be so as a coach obviously we want to get every last little bit out of those kids and get the best out of them not just to make them better players but better people because that obviously transfers to life and you know pushing themselves to get good jobs and good careers but you can only push a player as far as they want to go and that we have to understand where that player wants to go what that player wants to do and we also have to understand that sometimes there's limitations and sometimes a player player might even want to go higher than what they actually can just really want to we jump. have to manage them expectations and want to jump in there real quick you made a good point about being a better person so it could be another topic maybe for another week but might get a little quick summary on it you say about being a better person do you think the kids over here watch how the pros act off the field and in training and they kind of try and emulate that for example you know the way that Messi handles himself for example very humble very quiet off the field very professional in his approach of course we're not asking eight and nine year olds to train five times a week have a diet and only drink water but you know do you think that's something that kids should or could or do look out for kind of how to act to be a better person as an athlete I think they should of course but I think that with the way social media currently is I don't think they get to see those people as much as they see Paul Pogba and Jesse Lingard dancing and doing handshakes in the dressing room because right. the Messi's not very active on social media. You know, he doesn't post pictures of him, you know, going home to his family and relaxing after practice and eating a nice nutritious meal. Right. You know, people don't post things like because it's boring, no one wants to see that sort of stuff. So I think that kind of stuff gets overshadowed by people like Pogba, Lingard, who are, you know, big characters. Well, wasn't that one yeah. of the reasons why United, you know, were signing Pogba because he was so busy on social media that he would draw big, tons of attention. Yeah, you know, was it necessarily did United need that type of player? Talent, it was yeah. more about that that stuff. Uh, off off subject, but commercial marketing. You know. Yeah. Carl, so your thoughts on kind of that? Anything that you want to say about that? In just, terms of the emulating? Uh, yeah, so maybe more, just like a little bit of a spill on the afterfield stuff, maybe, that you've seen or something that you might encourage as a DOC? Or? Uh, per- personally, I, I think out here, a lot of the kids don't, you know, I'd say there's a small percentage that probably follow, you know, the players, but I don't think, you know, again, we talked about NFL and basketball and baseball, you know, Soccer is still the fourth or fifth sport, yeah. so I, I don't think it's as big as... Let's be honest, look, so when we were growing up, you know, 
take Beckham for an example, when the new Predators came out, I wanted them straight away. And yep. whatever way Beckham was wearing his Predators, yeah. <laughs> you wore your Predators like that. You know, there was even a stage back home when Beckham grew his hair long yeah, and people cool. started bleaching their hair. And that's the way, you know, that's the way it is. Out here, it's a little different. It's more individual based. I don't think it's as big as a cult because of, you know, being the third, fourth, fifth sport. So again, that's where I just always go back to, you know, and it's something that I'm going to start saying actually to parents more and more. Where are you drawing this experience from? You know, where, where is this coming from? Your, your feedback and analyzing the game. Where, where is it? Is it coming from what you've seen another team in your age group doing? Because if so, then maybe we can have a talking point. But if it's talking about making mistakes and you expecting perfection all the time, which a lot of people do, like a lot of people don't, you know, can't get over when their team has a bad performance or, you know, oh, you know, we hear it all the time. Oh, God, the girls passing today was terrible like as if they're full-time pros you know and i'll just keep saying this they're eight years old they probably had a birthday party the night before you know they probably woke up it's not like they're uh their pre-matches you know <laughs> like uh wake up breakfast yeah. pre-match walk yeah go through tactics pre-match meal. yeah it's like again <laughs> understanding the level and drawing your experience from that level so fair point fair point so just summing up this this part of the podcast, this topic, one final question for you, just to kind of end it on a good tell note. You what you've done your research on the questions this week, haven't you? Eh? You know, just take it up. I tell you what, is que- question after question. It's got question time. I've got people watching. I've got the scouts out there watching me. So, no, final one. So, Sam, go to you first, and we'll finish with Carl. Do we need to comp- compare our kids or these kids to pros at all? Does there need to be any comparison at all? Is it just does it just overcomplicate? Coaching approach, player approach, and expectations. Yeah, I think we just need to to stay away from comparing it. I think I'd, I'd like to also just throw it out there because we've mentioned a lot that you know the pro game is different and we shouldn't do these comparisons. I want to put it out there just to be clear that we encourage kids to watch the game. We encourage kids to watch these players, and you know, like Carl said, you know, we want them to come to practice and say, "Oh, I saw this goal," or "I saw this move." Like we want them to watch as much soccer as possible, um, but I, I don't think, especially at the younger level, it's it's fair to compare them to pros. If you're coaching at an academy level in like the U17, U18, obviously those kids, they're in the academy setting. The next step for them would be to move into the pro setting, and at, at that age group, yes, we should be comparing them to the pros because they've obviously they're in that setting, they're obviously committed, they want to be pros. So if you're a kid and you're coming to me and I'm coaching you at 17 years old and you're, you know, you're telling me you want to be a pro, then I'm going to expect you to act like a pro. So in, in that situation, yes. Um, but obviously we, we talk a lot at, in this podcast about the younger age groups because our club is, we mainly have younger, younger players in our club. So we're not actually dealing with those older players who have the aspiration to be in pro just yet. Um, but yeah, if I was in that setting, then the older players, I would expect them to act like pros, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Older players, like kind of what age and above? Uh, well, 16, 17, 18 yeah. in a, a, like a pro academy, a development academy setting. So a certain that, level and a that, certain That age. doesn't mean 16, 17, 18-year-olds who are playing Flight 3 SCDSL. 
that's a, that's a big difference. People need to know that. And it sounds silly that I'm stating that, but people listening do need to know that there is a big difference between, you know, a kid who's playing in the development academy at 16, 17, 18, and a kid who's playing SCDSL. Uh, so I just, just want to make sure I'm clear on that because they have they have different goals as well. Even though they're at that age, they have different goals. Maybe they're playing... What are you clear on? <laughs> so I'll say it again. I think, I, think, I think this statement comes from uh, experience maybe of coaching an older team. Maybe uh, that no, that. no, just, uh, just a lot of talk, talking to friends and <laughs> yeah, right. watching games and listening to parents and all that sort of stuff. Right, right. Fair so, enough, yeah. fair enough. So just to be clear... <laughs> Carl, final thoughts? On. Should there be any. It's nice that you're listening. Should there be any comparisons? You're trying to process your 25th question. I know. I, I don't know where we're going at the moment. <laughs> I, thought I, I thought I answered this 10 minutes ago. <laughs> he's rewording them. All right. <laughs> Anyways, let me hear the question. Covering so all bases this week. Should there be any comparisons at all to pros? No. Not, not, not in if we're talking about our club environment. Not, no, not, not at all. Not, not in terms of like what you just did at the weekend. You know what I mean? So, uh, no, no, complete rubbish. Rub- trash. All right. Trash. Trash. All right, guys. Sam, any final thoughts, any statements or anything you want to make sure before we exit part one? I think I've been clear enough. Yeah. All right, guys. Great topic. So, guys, just a quick summary. Stop comparing your nine-year-old son or daughter to the greatest of all time, Lionel Messi. (laughs) Part two coming up. That's that's another discussion. I'm I'm out of here. (laughs) See you in part two.